we to buy bread so that these may eat? This he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are these for so many people? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, in that place, so the men sat down in number of about 5,000. Jesus then took the loaves, and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated. Likewise, also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, This is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Amen. So let me set up a bit of a background here. There's uh, two major events that happened um, right before uh, this, um, let's call it miracle. Um, and just to note, this miracle and the death and resurrection of Christ are the only two um, miracles or supernatural occurrences that are listed, or I should say spoken about, in all four Gospels. And so to set it up, there's two major events that happen leading up to this moment. The first moment is that if you read in John chapter 5, Jesus actually gives his disciples power and authority to cast out demons, to heal the sick, and to raise the dead. The second major event that happened was that John the Baptist was beheaded. John the Baptist, often we think of, of him and Jesus, right, like separate from each other, or we think about them as like two men in ministry um, at work, but if you, were, if you were to really take it down to the core in the natural sense, John and Jesus were actually cousins. And so you have this moment of intimacy that Jesus has with his disciples. And he tells them, ask anything in my name. I give you power and authority to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to raise the dead. In my name, whatever you like. Then John the Baptist is beheaded and Jesus finds out about it. And it says... In uh, different uh, versions, it says that Jesus left to seek a lonely place. In, other, in, uh, in, in Matthew and in Mark and in Luke, it talks about this uh, exact same story of Jesus multiplying the fish and the bread. And it says a couple of things that it doesn't say here in John that I want to sort of lay down a foundation for you guys today. In the other, in the other um, Gospels, um, it says that Jesus tells his disciples, you feed them. Right? Because the disciples come up to Jesus, and some of them are like, Jesus, these are too many people. Send them away. And then Jesus responds, you feed them. There's another part uh, in another gospel where it says 5,000 men, not including women and children. So there's more than 5,000 people there. There's, um, uh, research shows there's about maybe like 15,000 people there at this, uh, at this moment. Um, and then in other gospels... Um, Jesus tells his disciples um, before this portion, um, he tells them, after they have come back from doing ministry work, he sort of tells them, find a secluded place to pray. And Jesus in that moment was sort of modeling for them that intimacy level, right? And so they're on their way to pray, 
And this is sort of where the story picks up, right? After, in uh, John 6, verse 1, After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. A large crowd followed him because they saw the signs that he was performing on those who were sick. If you have, like, something you're dealing with, um, whatever it may be, or, you know, a family member that is dealing with something in some form of sickness or, or some type of pain, today they're going to get healed or you're going to get healed. Amen? So start opening up your heart. Um, start opening up just your mind to the awareness that the Spirit is here. Um, go ahead and close your eyes and lift up one hand. Holy Spirit, we are aware that you are in this place, Lord. We are aware that you are going to do something wonderful and amazing and powerful in this place, Lord. We give it all to you, God, and we trust you, Lord, that you can do greater than we could ever imagine, Father God, and that you are always at work, God, in our favor, Lord, in our, in our direction, God. You are a restorer. You are a redeemer. You are the healer, God. And we just lift up praise and give you thanks, God, for what you will do in this afternoon, Lord. So Jesus goes, and after his cousin has been beheaded, it says that Jesus was really moved in his spirit. So Jesus is on his way, if I can paint the picture, to a secluded place to pray with the Father, as Jesus did often. But Jesus, coming off of the boat, sees the crowd following him. There's like a multitude of people following him. So Jesus goes up, um, it says here a mountain, right? Jesus goes up a mountain, and the people are following him. So Jesus gets up there, he gets to the mountain, and it says in verse 5, it says, in John 6, verse 5, it says, Therefore Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing a large crowd was coming to him. I don't know about you, but it's wonderful when you have a king, a savior, who not only came down, right, left his throne, but Jesus came down, left his throne, and he's doing ministry work as, a, as, as 100% man and 100% God. But laying his godliness aside, he came as 100% man. And in that moment, perhaps being stirred that his cousin had been, had been beheaded um, and doing ministry work, right? And sort of going to a place of, of rest, a place of intimacy. Even in that moment, Jesus locks eyes with the people that are coming. And he says, they're hungry. We need to feed them. And like Mario was saying, we should approach the throne of grace with boldness and with hunger and with thirst. The believer, as believers, we need to live in a position of, I'm full, but I'm not satisfied. Amen? My thirst has been quenched, but I desire more drink, Jesus. That is sort of like our daily life. And the way we approach even our services right? It should be in hunger. It should be in thirst that we're coming here. Um, I'm not diminishing our intimate uh, moments with the Lord. It's not that one is um, better than the other. They're just different. But when we do come together in corporate worship, when we come together and we approach the presence of God, we should approach it in such a way where it's like we're anticipating that something is about to happen in our services. Amen? Amen? So Jesus, at the top of the mountain, looks up and being, being aware, being present of those that are around him, 
says we need to feed these individuals. We need to give them something to eat. And so oftentimes you have leaders that are, are fully equipped and ready to give, right? But often what can happen is that if we're not aware that our leaders have something for us, we can totally miss it. That's where honor comes in, right? And we honor those that um, are put in authority or those that are put in charge of us that God has placed there. And so Jesus, realizing that he's, you know, essentially leading these people, thinks, okay, I have to feed these, in, or not I have to, but he's, he wants to feed these individuals. And so the first thing I want you to notice is that Jesus asks Philip, which is kind of funny because he, it says that he already knew what he wanted to do, right? In verse 5, um, at the end of it, it says, he turns to Philip and he says, where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? And then it says, this he was saying because he was testing him, for he himself knew what he was about to do. So oftentimes in our lives, God will pose questions to us or, or life will pose questions to us, right? If something happens or something um, bad happens or, or, or even if something good happens, those can be in like the form of questions too. You think, well, what's going on, God? What are you doing? Um, like, what is this uh, blessing for? Or, or, or God, this thing, you know, went wrong and, and, and what happened? And so a lot of times life can happen and it can pose um, questions. But as a believer, we have to maintain three things. And that this is what I want you to pay um, very close attention to for today as we're going to um, go through this process after, after the preaching. There's three things that Philip um, was sort of like uh, tested here. Knowing God's intention, giving thanks, and anticipating the miracle. So let's, let's keep reading so that I can, so you can see where these things are. So in verse 5, John 6, verse 5, if you can put it up. Therefore, Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? This he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. So that's Jesus intending to feed the masses, right? Remember, Jesus just told the disciples, I'm giving you power and authority to cast out demons, to heal the sick, ask anything in my name, and I'll grant it. Then Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them. In, other, in, in uh, Matthew and in Mark and Luke, in Luke, um, the, uh, the disciples say, like, send them away to go find their own place to eat, right? Um, if it was in today's time, it would be like, send them to Denny's to go eat something, right? Because that's where we all go eat after church. Um, and he was like, send them away. And Jesus responds in other, in, other, um, in other books in the Bible. He says, no, you feed them. And so Jesus is asking them because he's asking Philip to not reason with what you have, but reason with what God has given you. To reason not from like earth to earth, but from like to reason from heaven to earth. So, so let's keep reading. So then it says, um, let's go to verse 8. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are these for so many people? Verse 10, Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Um, in my version, it has notes, and it actually says, have the people recline. 
it's there was a grassy area. There was probably it was probably like some hills there. So people are, as you can imagine, are in a position of rest. They're sitting down. Some are laying down, right? And in other books, Jesus also tells them, have the people break up into groups of 50 or 100. So I guess what I'm getting at is I'm trying to talk to you about sort of like authority, um, leadership, and sort of like, um, like following, right? And we can all be in, that, in those two positions at the same time. To give you an example, um, my wife and I are elders of this church. And we're also in the worship team. So that means we have leaders. So we have to follow our worship leaders' lead. But then also as elders, we get to lead. We're also in charge of the Bible studies, so we get to lead that. But we have pastors here, Mario and Cynthia. So we have to, not have to, but we... For lack of a better word, we follow their lead. You guys get that? Get that? So speaking about leadership and sort of like following. So Jesus comes and he intends to multiply the fish and the bread. And he tells Philip, well, what are we going to do? Philip says, this is not enough. Uh, the other guy says, you know, this guy has, um, I want to get the number right. He says he has five barley loaves and two fish. So Jesus says, have the people sit down. So get into a position of rest, right? Often in life, we're going through stuff, and we don't come to receive. Um, and life can happen, and, and I understand that situations can happen. But this is a place of rest, and I'm talking specifically about grace and love, sort of, um, if you can say, um, reaching back to Neil's awesome message on Friday. Grace and love is a place of rest. Amen? Um, so oftentimes Jesus will, will say, come, come, have the people sit down. Oftentimes we're going through stuff, and Jesus says, have the people break up into groups. Why is that important? Because we need fellowship with our brothers and our sisters. We need to be in a place, a safe place, a place where, where it's grassy and where we can like sit and recline and listen to word and have our souls and our spirits and ministers without having to watch our back. That, that somebody's going to put us down or somebody's going to judge us. But to come to a place where we can be ministered to and, and, and be put at ease if we're going through something or to be fed spiritually. You guys understand? Sort of? Okay. So Jesus is now talking to his leaders, right? And he's telling them, what are we going to do? Philip answers, we don't have enough money for this, essentially, right? Um, Andrew answers, well, this guy has some, like, food right here, but, like, that's not really enough. Like, come on. Even if we were to split it up, we'd give people, like, a smell, and then hopefully they'd get full or something like that. And so what, what, what ends up happening in our lives is that, that we'll often take what we have in our possession and what we think it's insignificant. We'll often take what, what we have access to and we downplay it. Or, or we take what Jesus has done in our lives and we downplay it. Like we'll say, oh, like, you know, like I'm, I'm like this horrible person or, you know, I'm not worth anything or, or I have like um, a car, it's worthless, like it's just horrible or something like that. Not realizing that what you have in your possession now and through stewarding it, through stewardship, you can be sort of getting your breakthrough to increase. Does that make sense? So right now I'm talking about like leaders and like and um, 
when you're in a position of like leadership or you're in a position of overseer, right? And so the disciples are responding with works. They're like, well, I, we don't have enough money. Like, you know, we haven't worked enough to earn this, you know, or we don't have enough fish. Like what we have isn't significant enough for like you, Jesus. I know you're the savior of the world. I know you gave us power and authority to do like all these awesome supernatural things, but this is not enough, you know? You guys understand? And so oftentimes um, we'll downplay like who we are and we downplay like what we have access to or, 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 or what, we, what we have in our possession. And so in, um, let's go to... Verse 11, Jesus then took the loaves, and having given thanks, he distributed it to those who were seated. Likewise, also the fish, as they wanted. When they were filled, he said to his disciples, um, I'm going to stop there, to, to grab the, the remaining stuff. I want you to pay attention to a couple of things really close. Part of the three-step process is knowing God's intention and giving thanks. Jesus said, I only do and say what the Father is doing and saying, right? So Jesus was going to multiply the fish and the bread because the Father was multiplying the fish and the bread. But more so than that, the Father wanted to feed the people there, right? And so Jesus, sort of modeling what that life looks for us to sort of live after that, um, is modeling it. And so he's saying, I'm going to multiply the fish and the bread. But Philip was unaware of what Jesus was intending to do. So Jesus sort of was like training them, right? He was, he, was, he was motivating them and he was asking them questions. When God asks you a question, it's because he wants you to sort of ponder things, chew on things, meditate on things, but like in, a, in like a heaven to earth type of manner. He doesn't want you to think like, well, I don't have enough to like go do that. You know, I don't have enough to like go help this person. Um, but in reality, when he's asking you something, he's asking you, okay, think higher. Like, think higher. Don't think so, like, earthly. Like, come up higher. God is constantly saying, like, come up higher. Right? The Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so Jesus is sort of working um, Philip. He's, like, telling him, like, okay, renew your mind, Philip. How are we going to feed all these people, Philip? How are we going to feed all these people? Oh, we don't have enough money. Okay, disciples, how are we going to feed all these people? Well, this guy has some like fish and bread right here, but we don't think that's enough, right? And then probably Peter was like, send all these people away. Send them away, Lord. I'll cut off all their ears. And so he's like, no. Jesus responds, you feed them. So Jesus now is, is giving them one option. And in our lives, sometimes we get very comfortable and we live with multiple options. And that's, that's okay. But we have to live as if our only option is Jesus. And so he tells them, you feed them. But who's telling them to feed them? Jesus is telling them to feed them. And Jesus doesn't tell you to do something unless he knows that you can do it. Amen? And so he's telling them, you feed them. Okay, so Philip, like I'll be Philip for a second, right? This is after the test, obviously. So it's like easier when you have the test in front of you. But Philip in that moment must have been like, you feed them. Okay, we don't have enough money. This guy only has like three pieces of pizza, pepperoni pizza, and anchovies. And I don't like anchovies, but okay, how are we, okay, how are we going to, mm, no, Jesus, send them away. 
Send him away, Jesus. Send him away. That's, it's not going to work. Um, okay. No, he's still saying you feed them. He hasn't said anything yet. Okay. Okay. Like, imagine Jesus probably let them think for a little bit. Then he said, okay. And Jesus is loving. He's not putting them down or not. He's not judging them or anything like that. He's like, okay. I can imagine him in a very loving and, like, sincere way said, okay. I'm going to show you the answer to the question. Bring me the fish and the bread. And now he's modeling for them, right? So he grabs the fish and the bread, and he looks up, and he says, thank you. That's the second part of, like, the three-step uh, three process that I'm, like, lining out today. Knowing God's intention. How do you know God's intention, intentions? You have conversation with him. You ask him questions, and he asks you questions. You have dialogue with him. You get to know him in the quiet place. You can get to know him here at church during worship, um, during the worship session, during, during the moment of prayer. Somebody can speak into your lives, right? Because we've broken off into groups of 50 and 100, and we're fellowshipping with one another. And we open up ourselves to one another so that we can speak life into each other. Amen? So that's the first part, knowing God's intention. His intentions are good. They're always good. They're, they want us to come together as a group, as a family, to come hungry for him. The second part is to constantly give thanks that no matter what the situations are in life, that we take what we have in our possession and we don't downplay it. We don't think it's insignificant, but we think that when we put stuff in God's hands, he can do greater than we can imagine. Amen? And so you give thanks because it's faith. Even like when you can't see, you give thanks. And so Jesus looks up and he says to his father, thank you, Lord. And he blessed the fish and the bread. And then he used his disciples, right, because he told them, you feed them. So he puts the fish and the bread in their baskets, and he tells them, feed the people. And so they start feeding the people, and the food starts to multiply. And, and there's words in here that said, like, they had as much as they wanted, right? Like, they were filled, right? They were in a position, now speaking about, like, the followers, they were in a position of rest. They were there. They were present. And Jesus was there present. Right? Oftentimes we have conversations with people and we're, we're uh, distracted. You know, we're on our phones or, or, or we're thinking about like, did I lock the door on the truck? Or, you know, uh, did I turn off the stove? Um, you know, and you're distracted and the person's talking to you and, and then before you realize that you're like, yeah, 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 go ahead. And they probably just asked you, they could have asked you some bizarre thing. Like, can I have your left shoe? And you're like, yeah, 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 go ahead, have it. And so, so we need to be present in our relationship with the Lord. We need to be present in our relationship with our brothers and our sisters, right? Oftentimes, um, oftentimes we are distracted, but God wants us to be present. And in those, in those moments, we can come together and we give thanks. So intimacy, knowing what God wants to do, his intentions, and they're always good, comes from relationship with him and it comes from relationship with your brothers and sisters because you can pour into one another and oftentimes God won't give you the answer directly he'll give it to a brother or sister because he wants to show you that we're a body that we're, we're teamwork right but in order for that body and that teamwork to work coming down to very practical levels and I don't want this to come across like harsh or anything like that but coming down to practical uh, practical levels we have to be present like, we have to be sort of, like, accountable. We have to be, like, like in, in, the, in the conversation. We got to be in the rhythm. 
and and sort of in that like cycle and it's not to say that you like you you miss out on something and and now like everybody's up here and you're down here or something like that because remember that um, parable that Jesus taught where some people start working in the morning and then some people come at night but they all get paid the same amount so it doesn't matter like if you just joined grace and love or if you were here when we first started it we all get the same thing and so it's important to be present and in the midst of fellowship in the midst of of god his promise is where two or three are reunited in his name what does it say there he will be and so in the midst of his presence we can come together pour into one another and we can say you know that tough situation that tough situation that you're going through, Punch, like God is going to open doors for you and your family. Like, like Jay, that moment that you had this week, like God is going to restore things lost. Brother Raul, things that were lost, things are going to get restored because the devil is a liar. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God gives us righteousness, peace, and joy, and the devil is defeated. And so in the midst of that, even though even though to a non-believer it might seem like just words that I'm saying, they're not just words because heaven is moving, because we're declaring it. And so in that midst, I can give thanks. And third, you anticipate the miracle. And to anticipate sort of means like, like you wait for it, right? Like you're like, you're aware, like, okay, it's going to come. It's going to come. And I say don't downplay yourself because there's a verse in the Bible that says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So if I can say it this way, the hope of glory, or let me personify glory. And let me, let me define this first. Hope, biblically speaking, can be defined as the joyful anticipation of good, right? So hope means I'm anticipating and I'm happy, no matter what the circumstances are, that something good is coming. So Christ in you, the hope of glory. So glory is joyfully anticipating something good because Christ lives in you. Glory, the glory of God, his goodness, is, is, is sort of like, and, and, and it could be anything, right? It could be like a, a miracle, a healing. It could be... Um, it could be like a word of encouragement, anything. That's a moment like of God's glory, of God's goodness. And, and that moment is waiting for you to sort of get up and realize that Christ is in you. And if Christ is in you, you can, you can get into relationship with God. You can get into relationship with your brothers and sisters and find out what is the intention of God. And in that circumstance, you give thanks. And together, we will anticipate the miracles of God. Amen? And so that's what's happening here. They're, they're, they come together, Jesus being, um, being perfect and being so loving. He's sort of training his disciples, right? And he's telling them, okay, first question, we're going to feed them. Where are we going to get food from? Okay. Um, from you, Lord, from, from heaven. We're going to believe that, that this is going to multiply. I don't know, the, the, the options, when you make Christ your only option, your options then become limitless. And so God comes and he says, okay, what's going to happen? Or life comes and says, what's going to happen? Well, I know that God intends to do something good. And then we give thanks and we anticipate the miracle. You know, we sustain 
that hope. And so, and so we kind of create like the atmosphere of, of like an atmosphere of safety for people to come in, you know, to come in with, with you know, questions or, or desires or dreams even, um, to come in with passion, to come in with hunger. And it's meant to just like sort of, to meant to go from glory to glory, essentially. I think, um, speaking as your elder, I think often what happens to us is that we see, and I'm, again, I'm, I'm talking a lot of, about a lot of stuff um, very practically because grace and love is going to grow. We're going to grow. We're going to get our own building. Some people are going to have to go full-time ministry. And, and more people are going to come. And if, if sometimes if we, don't, if we don't, like, get sort of, like, the discipline of, like, the Lord, right, and discipline, like, think of an athlete, like, they practice constantly. Um, they're in that constant, like, motion in that constant rhythm. Um, when you watch basketball and you see a player, like, he gets, like, two or three fouls, and then he has to sit out, like, a whole quarter. And then when he comes back into the game, they'll often say, oh, he's, like, out of rhythm. Like, he hasn't shot the ball enough, so he's not scoring, right? And so I think oftentimes what happens um, to us as, as we're sort of building on top of everything is that we see, and if I can use this kind of, like, harsh word, um, we see our services, like, divorced from each other. Like, oh, what happened Friday, what Neil talked about was, like, Friday. And, like, what Kevin's talking about, like, it has no connection, like, whatsoever. And that's not true. Like, I want to encourage you guys to sort of value each service, to value the Bible studies. You know, there's, 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 there's leaders that are putting in, like, hard work into, into, into providing something for you to, like, chew on, to, like, recline back and eat. And so... But if, if, if you're not present, then, like, how can we pour into one another? Because it doesn't mean that you come always in need. Because oftentimes, we all come ready to give. And we are all able to give. And so, we, we should no longer, as Grace and Love, see services, like, separate from one another. And thankfully, stuff comes up. Obviously, you know, um, especially, like, in this time, right? It's, like, the season of graduations, right? So, you might have to go to, like, a graduation or... Or something like that. So we have the podcasts. So listen to the podcasts, right? So stay in rhythm. Like stay, like stay sort of like, um, stay informed, I guess is, is what I'm saying. Um, and let's go to verse, John 6, verse 14. And I'll end, I'll end with this. It says, therefore, or I'm sorry, um, verse 13. So the disciples gathered gathered all the food left over, I'm paraphrasing, and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves with left o which were left over by those who had eaten. So Jesus did greater than the people hungered naturally. What they hungered for, God even gave them more. And so Jesus, it's in, it's in Romans, I believe. God does greater than we could ever imagine. And Jesus sends out like the 12 disciples, go collect the food. Again, he's like, he's training them, right? He's, he's getting them into rhythm. Like, okay, look it. I asked you a question. You, you, did, you didn't get it. <laughs> you didn't get it right. But that's okay. Now, now, now check this out. Go pick up the leftover food. Okay, 
oh my gosh, God, there's, there's, we, we had like five pieces of fish and like, or like five pieces of bread and like two pieces of fish. And now we're collecting like way more than that. Right. And so their mind is getting renewed. But what I find interesting is that he has the 12 go out um, and pick up the food. In the Bible, 12 means government. So I wrote down like a couple of things that are like, I'll read to you guys. When we honor the authority that God has placed in our lives, great miracles happen. The perfect government of God is on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. Right? Neil talked about that, right? Sort of like the fivefold ministries. And, and, and then there's deacons, and then there's elders, and then there's, there's, there's other positions now that we have as, as we've made advancements in time. When the government of God, and this is key here, because it starts with them. When the government of God fully depends on receiving from God, they give what they receive, and the result is abundance for the lives around them. So the disciples gave what they received from Jesus. They gave the multiplied fish and bread, and they gave it to the people. And when they took what they received from God, from Jesus in that moment and gave it to the people around them, the result was abundance, or in this story was leftovers. So it's a process of establishing. I read this in the, in the, in the book of um, uh, Culture of Honor, I think it's called, um, by Danny Silk. It's, it's a process of, of establishing and sustaining the kingdom of heaven, that we would honor those who God has put in charge. Obviously, what we need to also like also confirm is that they are receiving from Jesus. Because remember, before this passage, in other, in, other, in other gospels, Jesus told his disciples, let's go rest. Let's go find that moment, that quiet place with the Lord. Because even leaders need to rest. Amen? We all need rest. And so when we receive what we've gotten from God, we come and, and, and we give it. And so let's go to Isaiah 9.6. So it says, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And in the very next verse, it says, there will be no end to the increase of his government or of his peace. This, this week was um, very interesting for a lot of us. <laughs> um, uh, very, um, very bizarre. Um, for me personally, I had, uh, I had like, a rough, like a rough time at, at work this week. And on top of that, you know, um, still joyfully <laughs> um, completing all the tasks that we have here at church. Um, in preparation for worship night and Bible study and preparing for Friday and preparing for today and preparing for the baptisms on Saturday. Uh, tack on 12 hours of work Monday through Friday to that and, and it can make for a very interesting week. Um, and I, I was meditating on this week uh, and thinking about sort of like this, um, this teaching or like this message. 
On Monday, um, I got into a bit of like a, a bit of a tussle <laughs> with my um, with with management at at work. Um, I try to keep it cool. I try to keep it Christian, um, and I think I did. Meryl tells me I did one thing that I probably shouldn't have done, but it's okay. <laughs> um, and then last night, uh, after a wonderful day at baptisms, we go back to Meryl's mom's house. We sort of unpack a couple of things. We grab our stuff. We go to Chipotle. Chipotle. Chipotle is my life. I like Chipotle now, by the way. I didn't I used to like it before, but now they, I can eat a quesadilla there, a chicken quesadilla. So. so we go to Chipotle, and... I exit the little plaza. I exited to the nearest street, which is called California. Um, but we normally go to Atlantic, but I didn't want to drive through the plaza. It was like already 9.30 maybe. So tired. And I exit onto California, and I get to the stop sign, and it's kind of dark. I get to the stop sign, and I do what all of us Californians do. I roll through the stop sign. And the next thing I see is flashing cop lights right behind me. And so I pull over. And I'm just like, I rolled through the stop, huh? And he's like, yep. And I'm like, great. And I was just like, I, in that moment, I, I, like, I kept it cool. I was like, chill, right? I was like, <laughs> he went back, went to go check some stuff. And uh, Mara and I started praying, God, please, like, you know, like, like, if he gives us a ticket, we can pay it. But do we really want to give, like, the county, like, 238 bucks for a rolling stop ticket? No. You know, our anniversary is coming up. Like, we would like to, like, go do something you know, or, or whatnot, and I started thinking like that right away. He comes back, and he's like, okay, well, um, I'm going to give you a ticket for the rolling stop. Just sign here, and he was all, like, happy and chipper, and he's like, have a great weekend, and I kind of waited for him to walk away a little bit, and I was like, whatever. Um, I went home, and I was just, I just, I just exploded. Um, I, I told my wife to give me a moment. I went into our bedroom, and I was very angry, um, and I went outside, and I started crying, and she started praying for me, and I just, I was so frustrated, I was so pissed off, and, and um, I started talking to the board members, and I even, I, I text uh, my oldest best friend, my sister, uh, and I text her something, um, her and I are able to sort of speak very, like, candid with one another, we have that um, sort of relationship. And um, so my wife starts praying for me, Meryl starts praying for me, and, and I just started crying, and I said, you know what, I'm not afraid that I can't pay the ticket. Like, that's not my fear. I'm upset because, like, I made a mistake, you know, and, like, now it's, like, I even started telling her, like, man, like, Elder Kevin, like, got a ticket. Like, I go to church, you know, like, I baptize people. Like, I pray for people. Dude, like, I go to work, and I work hard, and, like, I'm a good husband, and I'm a good son, Man, I don't deserve this. And I just started crying out of, like, anger. I was like, I can pay this. And so my wife starts encouraging me. And as she's encouraging me, I start to sort of, like, pull out of that, like, that, like, um, that funk. And I grab her hand, and I, I start praying. And I say, Father, forgive me, for in my anger I sinned. Um, forgive me for, for, um, being rude to the officer, bless him, God. Um, and I just sort of like repented like for my anger. And the truth is I did make a mistake. I broke the law. I ran through the stop sign, you know, and it has consequences. 
But I was thinking about that and about the altercation I had um, with my supervisor early in the week. And it was almost like I was like feeling like authority was like oppressing me. And I don't have issues with authority. You know, we gotta respect, we gotta respect our police officers. We gotta respect our management. We gotta respect our leaders here at church. But at the same time, authority and leadership needs to respect the people. And I think in that relationship, beautiful things can happen when, when people come together and they're present and they realize, speaking kingdom terms, when you realize that God wants to do something great and something powerful. And so we come together and we wait on the Lord and we come together and we pour into one another. We're present. And in all things, we give thanks. I gave, I gave thanks last night. You know, I was pretty upset, but we gave thanks to the Lord. And we know that we're going to pay the ticket and, you know, and, you know, just I sort of moved on from it. And my sister texted me something that I thought was really beautiful amongst the sweet nothings that my wife was whispering into my ear as she prayed. She said, um, she said, sorry, bro. Um, as annoying and as upsetting as that is, don't let it take away the bigger picture which is the huge celebration we gave heaven yesterday. Like, that was really powerful. Like, if you were there yesterday, and I think all of you guys were there, we gave heaven a huge celebration. We saw that God intended to baptize people, and so we did. And we gave thanks and a miracle did happen. People were born again. People took, took a step of faith. We had fellowship. How many of you guys had fun? You talked to somebody. You spent time with somebody. You bonded with somebody. You formed relationships with somebody. That's what happens. And God set us all up for success. And he has established people in areas of influence and in areas of position. And so for today, I just wanted to leave you with that, that that from our intimacy with God and our intimacy here in corporate uh, worship and services, that we would pour into one another and that God would pour into us so that we would realize what God is intending to do with us and with grace and love. And that second, that we would come together and give thanks, that we would bear each other's burdens if we're going through something difficult. And three, that we will all joyfully anticipate a miracle no matter what is happening. Your leaders, Grace and Love, have fully given themselves to that, to that call, to see people restored by grace, freed by grace, to see people encounter the Father's love, and to see people walk by the power of the Holy Spirit. I heard this great preacher one time said, I don't want to go to a restaurant where there's like a couple of people, right, and like sort of very skinny people. I want to go to a restaurant where it's jam-packed, there's a line halfway out the door, and there are some big people eating there, and the chairs are screaming because the people are just eating and eating, and they're getting heavier and heavier. And so as spiritual people, we're going to come here, we're going to eat and eat and eat, and people are going to see what's going to happen, and they're going to be attracted to this place, and we're going to grow because we hungered, and we didn't waver in our hunger and in our thirst for God. Be it what it may be, we will continue to pursue God. So get up on your feet. We're going to take the time to pray.